Welcome to Time Code Presents. In this installment, we talk to evil genius Lewis Dalvin and cohort and writer Charles Brown about their live broadcast show, Escape from the Secret Lab, a decidedly consortium of genius answer to the prospects the COVID pandemic was offering to live musical entertainment. We also touch on creating dead air on radio, directing a Benny Grunch video, why live TV is so electric, and a little peek into the salacious Comic-Con underworld. Hosted by John Wood and Joel Jackson, please enjoy. Here we go. <laughs> but on that, we're here today with Louis Dobbin. Hey there. With Mr. Charlie Brown. Hello, hello. With Joel Jackson joining me as well. Yeah, you're right. Always a pleasure. We are today talking about Consortium of Genius. 30 years, this uh, 2023 was 30th year, right? Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah, we got started in 96 uh, as a stage band. But before that, we had actually put out an album in 93 before it was, you know, an actual band lineup. And uh, the thing has just evolved so much over 30 years. It's, and it, it's fascinating because one of the things that I realized was when I used to watch Time Code and Cox 10 just for like Morgus and just random shit like that, there was a consortium of genius commercial. And it was like, this was like 97 or something. And I remember what? being like, where did I really want to go? That was, it was the late 90s, early 2000s. But I was still <laughs> underage. So I was like, oh, man, that looks like really cool. I really want to go to that. But I fucking couldn't. <laughs> and then it's fascinating when I'm like 30. I'm like, that makes sense. That would be. What, 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 was, what was it about that commercial, John? Because um, if you're a fucking nerd and you're seeing like a rock band that's kind of embracing nerd. I mean, a lot of y'all's music is about like one of my favorite things is Mallet of Metal. And it's a fucking D and D thing. So it's, um, that that, but that's kind of what drove me into it. Well, now I'm wondering what what the commercial was that you saw because, um, like, the first thing I can remember filming, we had no idea what we were doing. It was a uh, an eight millimeter camcorder, and uh, I had an Amiga Gen locked on it with you know doing the titles and stuff. But it was just the whole thing was just so crude and so blurry looking. And uh, we, we really had no idea what I'm we were doing. I'm trying to think back. It was around the time of, like, Exoticon and those things. Ooh. So this was a hot yeah. minute, one of the best conventions of all time. Oh, right? yeah. Um, don't, and I was, really do that I was on staff and saw a lot Which of really sense. crazy things. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> that really was a wild time. But, yeah, at that point, um, my studio was still out by the airport in my friend's wood shop. Nice. Yeah. Do you still do the, the, the Tondola Time Con? Is that still going on? Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, NOLA Time Fest, Thanks. we did, what, four years of that between, like, 2013 and 2017, I want to say, or 18. At any rate, it's been a long time since we did that. I don't know. That was one of those things that I saw that I was like, oh, yeah. fucking. But your Consortium of Genius Cog is just kind of always around. Yeah, and time, time, right. Time Fest was a co-production of Consortium of yep. Genius and uh, the Doctor Who Club in town, Crew yep. Who. We would do it again, too. I, I would do that again in a heartbeat. But, uh, yeah, it was an interesting, interesting arc. Yeah, I know a lot of people that were into that. But all of that is to say that after 30 years, and maybe a little bit less than 30 years, y'all decided to go a different route thanks to COVID <laughs> with, uh, with Escape from the Secret Lab. Yeah. yeah, Escape from the Secret Lab came about in 2020 when we had a gig on the books in uh, early May. It was going to be this big massive deal where we were going to have uh, some friends of ours, a prog band from Alabama called Analog Missionary, and us and a couple of other bands at Southport. And of course, COVID rolled in and all of that stuff got canceled. And so we're sitting there, you know, in my studio, looking at all the, the tech that I've got in there and wondering what the hell we're going to do, you know, because <laughs> nobody's got any gigs. We've got this room full of tech and for, meant for live shows, and, and let's and let's also uh, mention that he has a, a a blue screen in there too. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah that, that's that that if you know, without that blue screen, I'm not really sure the show would, no, would have gone it on. Have, yeah. It wouldn't have been in this form, you know. No, not in the form that we have. Uh, right. So, so Charlie, how did you come into the mix during that? So Lewis, Lewis put a, a general call out. I had. Uh, Continuing my perfect timing, <laughs> uh, I had moved back from Los Angeles in December of 2019, uh, all ready for a brand new life, and uh, came back, uh, had a Mardi Gras, and then COVID hit. And so I was like, you know, I was like, oh, what am I going to do 
to reestablish myself on uh, on the New Orleans scene. So um, during a pandemic, during a what, pandemic, what yeah. So so uh, right. So uh, the first thing uh, when when Lewis put the call out. So a little bit of history of uh, our relationship. Lewis and I went to high school together. So we we're a Jesuit class of 1986, and um, we really, you know, we weren't good friends in high school, but we were friendly, you know, we knew yeah. each other. He, I always knew of him as a, a tech guy, you know, the guy to ask, is this stereo <laughs> the one to buy or whatever. Uh, he was more on the, you know, the prog metal side. I was more on the blues soul side. Uh, you know, I was also listening to electronic music. That's too, true. Though. Yeah. Yeah. You were listening to a lot of electronic music, like Devo and stuff like that. Oh yeah. And, um, Anyway, so, you know, like college comes, we, you know, we, I go to USC and then to Loyola and he goes to UNO and then we kind of lost touch for a long time. And then I, when I came back in the early 2000s, uh, I saw this cog band and I was like, Lewis Dobbin, I know that guy. <laughs> and so we reconnected and I worked a little bit on the cog TV show. That's right. Yeah. You worked camera a couple of times, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I worked camera a couple of times and I directed a video for the cog TV show that played on, uh, that played on uh, on Cox, uh, probably. Yeah, on the Cox show, and so uh, so I was like, no, this is perfect. This is exactly you know what I sh you know what I should be doing. So we go over there and we find uh, Lewis had found uh, OBS, which I did not know about. You can explain what OBS. You're is. You're cutting dice jockeys out yeah. completely. Aren't oh, you? that's right. Yes, we did do a, a yes. We did it well before uh, YouTube was a viable. <laughs> We did a sitcom together that I wrote and directed, and Lewis was one of the stars uh, called Dice Jockeys, which is about four guys uh, sitting around playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, it also starred uh, Bill Dykes and uh, J.D. Sledge and uh, Bill Rochelle, are, are another Jesuit 86er. So I go to check out the studio. He finds uh, this new free switcher, OBS, which yeah. everybody on Twitch uses. And we would start playing around with it. And uh, yeah, I was just like, I hadn't really done a whole, I've done a, I've done a little bit of live switching. I learned how to do it in high school, funny enough, just with, uh, they did have a switcher there. Yeah, they had a crude little electronic uh, yeah, yeah, they had a TV station, TV station they, they with two cameras and a <laughs> yeah. analog switcher. Yeah, uh, but really, I was, uh, I was going back to my time, I was, uh, I was head of video production for Tipitinas for a year, 2004, and I worked a lot with uh, a local legend who is no longer with us, Felix Fly Gaten. Yeah, all right. And yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, Charlie Brown, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do Fly. <laughs> hey. So, and we worked a lot together, and I would shoot and he would mix in the back, and I would be like looking at the TV to, you know, to just make sure that what was going on. And I was just like, Fly was doing some pretty amazing, you know, work, you know, like was doing all this sort of stuff. So I was like, okay, I, I'll take the inspiration from there. As Lewis said, and you can explain well, this part. I, of I tell you what, yeah. I do have to back up a little yeah. bit because credit is due to uh, Sean and Melissa. Oh, that's true too, yeah. Um, of, Sean uh, Mooney and Melissa of the band Tomb of Nick Cage, yeah, that's which true. Uh, is our sister band, really. Yeah, yeah. We, we came up with the entire concept in one week and uh, actually started chunking the equipment together to implement it. It was kind of roughly based on something that I thought of a few months prior. I wanted to try to do a different type of stage band show. I wanted to actually have some kind of a competition um, series of shows and probably stage them somewhere familiar, you know, one of the clubs that we were uh, in with and tight with, where bands would be competing against each other. And they would be required to learn each other's music. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. And you'd have a panel of judges sitting there voting, you know, along with the audience on how well they did with each other's music. And, you know, after a bunch of talk, that didn't go anywhere. But it was an interesting mental exercise because we had formulated up an entire rule sheet and all sorts of stuff. And I just wanted to come up with some kind of new concept because... Um, as much as I like going out to live concerts, it feels like things haven't really evolved, you know, with the 21st century, right? So um, I wanted to come up with a new idea. It's, that's really funny because one of the things that I always remember was at Jeff Fest back way ages ago. Uh, Dead Eye Dick was the headliner. Okay. And Bag of Donuts, when they had just started, was opening like one of the, you know, fifth band on the docket. 
and they played the fucking Mary Moon song or whatever yeah. right before <laughs> them. And I was like, that is such a fuck you. <laughs> and when Dead Eye Dick came on, they were just like, play like two songs like Fuck This and Left because they had just <laughs> oh my done God. that. Oh my God. And I was wow. curious about something like that where it's like, I wonder wow. if if they know that they're going to be playing the other person. That's one of the unwritten like, rules, but right. I'm sure that yeah. was very direct. Oh, I, I, heard, yes. I heard directly from this, I heard a story directly from George Porter Jr. about that, about about uh, this was when I was at Tips. I was filming him doing, you know, teaching the the interns there, and he goes, uh, "Yeah, I, we we opened up. We uh, with the Funky Meters opened up for Widespread, you know, and he and uh, George went on the Widespread, you know, fan boards afterwards, and and the Widespread kids were like, well, I really don't appreciate the Meters doing all those Widespread songs, oh my God. and I'm like, Whoa. some kid from Atlanta <laughs> wrote about going back to the motherland, Africa." Learn who the fucking meters are, you dipshits. Wow, that's right. <laughs> you know, but anyway, that's a that's a side note. Anyway, that's, that's, I remember uh, when Cog opened for Mojo Nixon back in two thousand over at the Wolf. Yeah, the whole time, you know, I was like uh, telling my guitarist, "Wow, we, we should we should really learn a, a cover of Mojo's. We should learn uh, Amazing Bigfoot Diet. He doesn't play that anymore, does he?" And my guitarist was like, "We do not want to get." On Mojo Nixon's oh. bad side. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. No, you do not. Just one of those things that it's an interesting idea, and you're right. It hasn't really changed since the, Jesus, since the dawn of fucking. Well, right, right, right. Concerts have gotten a little bit more staid and predictable. And I mean, you used to be able to go and see two wildly different bands, you know, on a, on a, oh, yeah, a normal yeah, bill. Yeah. And uh, nobody even attempts that anymore. You know, like sticking a hard rock and a country band together. Right, they yeah. just don't do that anymore. Right. And so um, I was like really trying to, to come up with something different. And the idea was shelved, of course, because it would have been uh, insane. You know, nobody would have taken on the responsibility of learning another uh, band. So I would like to note, I would like to note that <laughs> 95% of Lewis's ideas are that insane. They're all genius. Yeah. They're real sideways. But, yeah, ideas. But yeah. But they're always like half baked. Yeah. Not fully yeah, baked. Yeah. Not fully right, baked. Yeah. But half you know, baked. I have a microwave and, and yeah, yeah. I have an atomic microwave. <laughs> yeah. And he, uh, but and, and it, it, it's it. the, it's, it's, it's me as the director who can, who can pull the, pull the, the bits and, 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 Slap all the the good stuff together so that we can yeah. make it uh, make it work. But at the yeah. same time, too, uh, I had no idea what we would be capable of doing yeah. with OBS until I started fooling around with it, and I was like, "Oh my god, look at this! We got a blue screen chroma key uh, system in this that actually works in real time. You know, you can get a forty dollar camera, and uh, look, I can take my SLR and put that up on a, on a tripod and." get that into the HDMI input, and all of a sudden, you know, we're shooting with three cameras yeah. that barely work, but they, <laughs> they, they, barely, do, yeah. they do work, and we learned a lot the first week. Yeah. But, I would um, say the first, the first month was, was try, a lot of trouble because we had three cameras, and we were doing this thing with OBS where you would uh, make the picture bigger and then kind of, like, put it off to the side so that I had something to cut to. Right. Uh, it wasn't just because yeah, you know, like the the one thing that the one thing that Lewis said at the very beginning was it's like I don't want some dude in a guitar sitting on a uh, sitting on a stool playing his songs begging for money. That's not what we wanted. We wanted a game show. We wanted a game show. Yeah, we wanted something where there was stakes and competition. Right. And and we uh, wanted we wanted more than anything to get the band paid. Right. Right. That was the big goal. We yeah. had to come up with some kind of. Uh, this is in, peak pandemic, like mid this is, shutdown. Yeah, lockdown. right. This at is the beginning, beginning of the yeah. pandemic. Yeah. Right, right at the like, beginning. So nobody's making money. Like I had gone, I right? I had gone to um, Pensacon, yeah. you know, which is a full blown, you know, ten thousand person convention over in Pensacola, in uh, I think early February, and then all of a sudden we arrive in March, and everything is shut down. Yeah, you know, it was crazy, but yeah, I had to come up with something that would get a band that was normally gigging paid to entertain people in this, you know, different space and also make something that was interesting enough looking. And, uh, you know, I've got all these, um, first off, I've got a studio, a decent sounding studio with the mics and the mixer and everything. And cameras were not expensive. I was able to get a bunch of cameras together pretty quick. And then OBS and an old uh, PC that was just fast enough to run it. Yeah. And, um, you know, the studio is just, just quite big enough. Yeah. To get you know the three people involved in the production right. crammed into the room along with the band, yeah. 
time goes on and we start, you know, we get, we get the, we get to the, some new concepts. We get the, did we start them off in the cage or was that? I don't yeah, know. we actually kind of did. Okay. So the first thing is, is that we have trapped the band and shrunk them down and put them in a cage. So we have, the, you know, so we have the kind of, uh, Morgus special effects going right, on. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, or more like Croft Saturday morning, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really 1975. Was. It really was. Uh, and so, um, and that was the that was the first iteration with a you know, like four camera, three four cameras, and then, um, and then it was just uh, us in the in the room. And then we started like as this went along, we we decided okay, so the with every kind of turn of the season. We started adding new stuff. So yeah, uh, try to freshen it up by changing all the uh, the backgrounds. And right, stuff. right. So we moved. And it's to, a chroma yeah. key set, so all I have to do is go into Photoshop and right. come up with new backgrounds. So by second, you know, by the so the first season was trapped in a cage, and uh, we were doing some crazy stuff. Like we were like uh, this band, uh, a hanging came on. Mm. So we decided. Uh, so Lewis decided to break out a DOS hangman game <laughs> and play hangman in the middle nice. of their set. And so, uh, yeah, like anything to break up, right. Anything to break the it up. Evening, and know? so from there we decided, well, let's, you know, Lewis is a big uh, video game guy. So let's, uh, let's play a video game in the middle, like a vintage video game in the middle. We did that for a while. Yeah. We did at least 20, yeah, 25 least, episodes like yeah, that. Yeah. And with, then uh, all classic arcade yeah, games. Yeah. You know, like Joust and Pac-Man and stuff. Yeah. How was the reception those first few months during COVID? I'm curious. Like right out of the gate, I it assume. was huge. It was, it was huge. I assume yeah. so because people are they had yeah. nothing else to do for content. Yeah, yeah, they had nothing else to yeah, do. Yeah, bands were making like uh, you know anywhere from three hundred to you know eight hundred dollars. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's our what's our uh, our first our first big thousand uh, dollar winner was Lindsay Zayorski. Right. She did absolutely great. She was getting people all over the country watching. But, um, you know, we had a couple of other big ones, too. You know, Suplex was great, and Suplex that was, was only big, the second yeah. or third show. Yeah, yeah. We were just trying to, yeah, we were trying to get whoever, you know. Uh, and it was, yeah, this, again, this is uh, this is one of those things where, you know, it's it's good that Lewis and I are a little different. So, you know, he was going after the the people he knew, the Metairie Metal and the, and Prague and, the, and some of those, and so, you know, and I'm, you know, Going out, getting you know, Alex McMurray and the yeah. Klezmer All Stars and, yeah. and those the more downtown bands, and we're trying to you know trying to get a good mix of uh, so that it isn't just the you know, one type of show. It's always been trying to get different kinds of music in there too. But it was an easy sell with those bands having no other recourse. Yeah. They had no other place to play. What and did, uh, what, what did a recording look like for a band? I'm wondering because again, I'm just thinking about being mid pandemic. Were they how long was it taking to produce an actual show? Oh, we like, did the live. show is live. Oh, it was live. The That's show right. is Show's the show is live. live. Yeah. In yeah. fact, it doesn't work unless it's live. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the whole point of the show is for the bands to get live contributions from people because the band is about to get killed by a crazy mad scientist. You know, it's a right. psychological. Yeah. It's a psychological exercise having uh, this tension artificially ratcheted up by the rules of right. the game. And then you know, killing killing off Dr. Pinkerton every week for a while. Yeah. But but then again, then we then we started killing some bands. Yeah, we we figured yeah. out some ways to uh, upend the rules of the game. You yeah. know, to try to make it difficult for the bands to actually achieve more points because it's a it's a house versus band competition. Whoever gets the more yeah. points wins. And the other guy gets killed. Yeah. So and it's all through PayPal donations, right. straight through PayPal. That's right. I saw up it with the, the QR codes. Yeah, yeah I watched the um, was it Sharon and the Reason today. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I love the fake Reason commercial. Yeah. Oh, god. that was like that oh my was, god, that was awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that was a real like, old Reason my, commercial from the nineties, right? Yeah, like yeah. fake sponsor. That's hilarious. I guess. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah for a while we had some fake sponsors. We had the co old COG videos from, from the COG show. Right. Uh, yeah. And now we've got real sponsors. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's like, fantastic. I mean, not a whole lot, but it's nice. you got to fake you know. it till you make it, right? Yeah. And uh, so, and uh, so, like, so we, we went from the cage and uh, then we went to In Space. Right. Where the, where the, the studio is now a giant guitar spaceship. And we were beaming them up. We changed that. We added judges, which we we, we put three people in Lewis's living room outside. <laughs> right. We have a wire running into the house. Yeah. And we've got a camera set up on my couch, and they're watching the proceedings on a screen. Yeah. They're chroma keyed in via green screen instead of blue, but they're chroma keyed in both in front of the band, a la Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. And also on their you know judge panel. Right. So so when they're asking questions, I've got. 
Judge is asking questions. I've got Lewis improvising, and I've got the band answering, and I've got to sit there and catch it all live. Yeah. Especially when we interview the band parts. Those can be like pure chaos. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. can be like pure case. But then we pulled off some like we pulled off some amazing technical stuff like uh again, rest in peace, the great Carlo Nuccio, when he came in to play with Benny Benny Grunge. Yeah. And we were doing we were still doing the <laughs> video game because it was Benny and he's so old school. Lewis also collects uh uh pinball machines. So we went into his living room. We like ran the camera live into his yeah, living that, room. Yeah, at that point, I didn't have everything strung up. Yeah, we didn't up. have everything set up. So and we, it was, and we, uh, and we had open a window and throw an right, HDMI cable right. through the had, window. <laughs> we had him and Carlo playing pinball against each other. Nice. So, those, I mean, we've had some we've had some amazing moments. And now in now the, the, the season that we're working on now, we are in the future. It's 2034. Oh, yeah. The AI has taken over, <laughs> and uh, the, the spaceship has crash-landed into... The Mississippi River. Overlooking the ruins of <laughs> New Orleans. Overlooking the ruins of New Orleans. So to fill the time, one of the thing, one of the good inventions that Lewis came up with is that there would be no applause, right? There could be no applause because there was no so so I, so we were figuring, well, let's make it like a show. So he got his animator uh to make these robots and I would hit the applause button and they would like jump up and clap. Yeah, yeah. The the idea being that it's Drumbot's posse. Right, right. And so I, I you know, so I'm I'm acting as the I'm acting as the audience so that they could jump up, Uh, and then and then this season. Uh, we instead of the robots, it's the radioactive zombies. Which <laughs> is that you in the suit? Or yeah, it's yeah me. him in the green in a green suit, uh, multiplied four times. Going, Aah! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. I wanted to, for the robots. I'm, I'm sorry for the radioactive zombies. I wanted something that looked like the old energy monster from Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've been doing yeah, and now we're up to now we're up. To, we we started with three cameras, five cameras by season two. Now we're up to nine cameras that i'm switching live you know and uh also again uh lewis's uh demented mind instead of uh instead of spending money like normal people would do (laughs) and buy a switcher uh he built one out of a out of an arcade setup so i'm actually switching using arcade buttons which is fun for me because i'm an 80s kid yeah we we don't have money for stream deck (laughs) or anything like that yeah yeah, and so we you don't know, have time for that. So I'm sitting here. I'm like, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's back to the arcade for me because I'm like sitting here, you know, slapping the buttons again. Oh yeah, so it's fun. kind of fun. and the layout is based on uh, asteroids. It is. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Myself personally, one of the things I remember whenever it first started, um, because I was like, holy, what is this? Can't be live because it was, <laughs> you know. Um, and it was, it was totally, I think it was Fridays originally. Yeah, we started on Fridays and yeah. moved to Sundays. Yeah. yeah, and it was great. Yeah, I once went, the clubs reopened. Yeah. You know. And and so I was doing Uber Eats at the time because there's nothing else to fucking do. And I remember just popping that on and just driving and watching whatever. One of my, <laughs> and that was safe. also, well, yeah, <laughs> and it was also the same thing with, you died like 12 times in a row or something. And I remember the first time the band died just feeling so bad for him. <laughs> I remember one time, though, it was like two years ago, and we had this band on from Fat City, and they were incredibly loud. Oh, yes. They, were, they oh. were using these like 1971 PV amps cranked all the way up, and it was ear splitting in there. And one of our fans started just trying to kill the band by donating more and more and more money <laughs> to the lab. And yeah, um, they were like gutter punk thrash. And they yeah. were like, they were, yeah. And, and like, and like my switching, I was just like, I had no idea who was singing. I had no idea who was playing. Was I was just, just kind of like slapping buttons and really seeing, loud. <laughs> seeing what, what worked. That's you know? great and, that the viewer can basically yeah. Yeah. give the artist the hook. Total, totally, <laughs> well, totally. That's yeah, part of yeah, the fun. She though. really <laughs> wanted them to die and yeah. they, they died very well. And, she donated so much money that, you know, we decided to keep going for another season. That's right. Oh, no, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. You guys get shitty bands on more often. Yeah, well, you know. For right. fun reason. <laughs> and you're talking about, you know, their amps being a little ridiculous. There's a couple of times I remember also having some technical difficulties. And yeah. those are some of my favorite Oh, my God. Times. It's a live show, so anything yeah. can happen. I remember. And it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> one time, I think that your audio just didn't work. But yeah. the, the sounds in the background were. Right. So it was just like, right. and you were talking, and uh, people were and on the yeah, live chat. I'm trying sure to I couldn't it. be heard because the mixer was getting the wrong instructions. And, yeah. you, and you have, like, limited people there to actually notice that. 
So yeah, I mean, we, we've we've staffed it up a little bit. A we've, little bit, yeah. a little bit. But yeah, the the staff has always been three or four people. Yeah. And there's a lot of automation going, yeah. and so if the automation works, all is well. And if the automation doesn't work, <laughs> things can go downhill rather quickly. Right. And then we get to situations like there's a lot of uh, like it's time for a switch, and Charlie's yeah. like, "Where the hell is that pile on OBS?" <laughs> yeah. Where's the scene? Where's the go, scene? My 55 year old ass eyes are trying <laughs> to find the scene. You know, this little thing I was scrolling around. So. And that, but it's played off perfectly because. With Tomb of Genius, it makes it look like something's not working. Exactly. Yeah. So you yeah. pull off, yeah. par for the course. And yeah. computer, yeah. That, computer that. can take the blame. I, you know, Pinkerton <laughs> would start railing against yes. uh, his machinery. Yeah. And yeah. that was, I remember, I think it was Doctor Z just popped up because it was whenever the thing wasn't working, and he just kind of started winging it. And it was one of those ones like you could clear as day see what was happening, but it was fun. Yeah. Because yeah. it was one of those ones where we don't have anything to do. We're laughing. It's fucking everybody sitting at their house or wherever. Yeah. We yeah. we've got to laugh at ourselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We cannot take the yeah. If we were to take it seriously, I think it would. I think we wouldn't have lasted two years. No way. <laughs> yeah, it's the fact that you know, it's like the fact that like Lewis and I can just sit around, you know, with our history and just be like, you know, laughing and you know, you know, thinking about other projects that we had done. And it's just also yeah, absurd. Yeah, and it's the fact that we can just sit there and go, well, you know, yeah, well, tonight, you know, like some some nights, you know, some nights I'm spot on and and some little thing goes wrong and sometimes I'm all over the place and and then you get a band like the klezmers who all their solos are are eight bars and and so as soon as you switch to the soloist they're done <laughs> you know i love you know like and i i was like i was like sla- again with the klezmers i was slapping buttons and and now the cam the camera have the yeah. camera coverage has gotten better oh the camera coverage has gotten a lot better you know, now we've got one live camera op yeah which helps a yeah great that deal. does help but it, but like yeah i could actually i looked over my shoulder and i saw glenn looking at me laughing at glenn Hartman <laughs> looking at me and laughing going like we're fucking him up tonight <laughs> yeah. well, and, and it's so it's interesting because one of the things that uh y'all had mentioned before the cog show was on uh cox 10 i want to say or, mm-hmm. or four before that whichever one it was at the time the the difference nowadays this wouldn't be possible if it weren't for the internet. If it weren't for well, YouTube. right, right. But at the same time, too, I, re- I can think back to those shows that we did back in '07, where we were doing a sitcom essentially, and then getting it on uh, Cox Ten, paying to get it on Cox Ten, and uh, you know, it would take like four months to edit together a 23-minute sitcom, and the editing was very tight, and you know, everything was real. I was proud of the visual effects and everything. It was a lot of trouble. And uh, we went to a huge amount of trouble to try to make something as slick as possible. And we were getting out maybe one or two a year, you know. And now we just, you know, chunk them out on a Sunday night. And what happens, happens. Yeah. yeah. It it either, you know, flies or falls. And uh, at the end of the day, there's always next episode. Yeah. 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 But it just seems like that's – it was a perfect uh, kind of storm of – everything coming together to actually make this. Yeah, yeah. Um, where that, you know, if it weren't for YouTube having... It's true. Now, it's tr- but I tell you what, it really has given us a thrill doing live TV. Hmm. It's something that is is electric and I think almost unknown in this day and age to do yeah. something complex right. like that. You know, I'm a yeah. big fan of crazy productions over the years. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of Doctor Who. When you look at that, the stuff from the 70s and the 60s and 70s, that was done as a live switch. Yeah. It was basically a bunch of cameras pointed at a stage play. And the fact that they got anything at all, <laughs> you know, let alone something with complex, if goofy looking special effects, is a total inspiration to me. And yeah. um yeah. I have huge respect for what they pulled off, you know, even more so than when I was watching it as a kid. So now we're actually doing this. Yeah. And um well, the fact that you have it, the live audience engagement too. You're, yeah, so and then you've got the live audience. You're getting real-time metrics, yes, right? Too, right, which yeah. is wild. With the people you're not that even actually waiting, bother you're not to even write wait in until and, the next day. We'll monitor the chat going right. by while they're watching on YouTube and respond to that. And um, yeah, it's dope. Yeah, it's pretty fun, and uh, there's nothing like the thrill of doing live television. Yeah, and most people these days have no idea <laughs> that it can be done. Yeah, or what right. they're missing because. It's a it's a risk. Yeah, it, it totally is. Still going to be doing some coming up. Um, you just uh, yeah yeah. In of... fact, we're about to go into our fourth year. Nice. Yeah. You know who knows uh, how long this is going to go on, <laughs> but the bands are still interested, and we're still having a great time. And you know, every time the year changes, 
we changed the the setting of the show, mm-hmm. the locale changes, and I'm not going to spoil anything by telling you what we have in mind, but it's going to be absolutely crazy. What I've liked, what I've liked over the years, especially as a, as a storyteller, as a as a filmmaker, as someone you know, I always consider myself a writer first, and then you know that that fell backwards into directing. Uh, the fact that we've had like you know we've had Dr. Pinkerton and Dr. Z from Cog. And then through that, we've developed, uh, we developed uh, the Kim, tra- you know, not, I mean, Missy Mooney does Kim Trails and, you know, that's her right, character. Right, right. She's got a character in her band. Yeah, she's yeah. got a character in her band, but she has become, she became such a force on our show as, as uh, a villain or, or, or as an, as a, or at uh, least an antagonist. A lot yeah. of people hate Dr. Pinkerton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The antagonist for, good reason, for, yeah, for really good reason. And so. They, so over they, she over needs the, to come back. Oh uh, yeah, we haven't that. had we haven't had uh, Kim Trails on in a while. Right, but she uh, you know she was shrunk down and and they had a, a Star Wars style mini person <laughs> fight you know in between the stuff. Uh, we've developed uh, you know because of Benny Grunch. Benny Grunch came on a couple of times. He does the song. He does the creature from the city park lagoon. Yeah. So he, we needed a video. And all of his videos were Christmas. <laughs> yeah, all and of his he videos. was doing a Halloween <laughs> episode of Escape. Right. So we said, okay, and so I fulfilled, you know, let's talk about life goals. I fulfilled one of my life goals by being the director of, of a, a Benny Grunch. Benny Grunch. <laughs> you know, come on. How is that not? So we did. That was a fun day. That was a fun day. So we got Sean Mooney of, of Tonk to be the creature. And so the, you know, so he's in the video and then the creature just starts popping up and, you know, and all of a sudden he becomes a recurring character. And so, and then we had little things like from Cog, uh, Tiffany Pollock plays, uh, Dr. Formelda Hyde and, right. and one little sister, little sister. And so she comes in one time with her daughter dressed as Milo T. Pinkerton, but she's this tall. <laughs> it was the mini Milo. Then, and it was just, so, and we had no idea she was going to no do that idea. either. It was so out of the blue, but it was and it perfect. ends up being, it ends up being one of the funniest bits uh, that we ever do. Yeah. So it's like, it was a, you know, it's like, it's not just there. There's reward for coming back. It's not just like live TV and we do it and then it's done. And then we've all, we've got, we've got this kind of content, you know, Comic book style continuity, yeah. sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah just, it just, just keeps evolving. Yeah, just enough for you know. Again, now uh, Dagmar is uh, you know, Dagmar the Vampire Queen has been the judge <laughs> so many times. Yeah, you know that she's kind of be- you know that she's become you know part of the cog you know, universe. And, yeah, somehow. And so uh, you know, it's just like uh, yeah, and, I, and we do encourage our judges to play wild characters. Oh, we've you had know, some they can judges come in yeah, yeah. and do anything. Yeah, so we yeah, so it's always. You know, so that's what keeps it fresh for us is that other people, you know, bring in their craziness and they can either sit in the camera, you know, sit in the front or uh, there was one band that came in, uh, Raccoon City Massacre, who unfortunately does not exist anymore, uh, but their drummer Hinkman's played a, a few times on our show. They came in and these guys, they've been watching. And so they came in, and they were wearing monks' robes, and and all this sort of stuff. And they sacrifice a a, a stuffed rabbit. They like were like we're gonna we're gonna bring a voodoo down. Yeah, they were on, trying to cast a curse on cast Pinkerton. a curse on Pinkerton, and they were like so into it, you know. And, and then was, the last one we did, right? I think it was the uh, it was the ending episode. But one of the judges had been on the show before in the capacity of the singer of you know the band. Yeah, like two years hence. Or prior, and he came on as a Terminator, yes. <laughs> with yes. the intent to kill Pinkerton. Yeah, nice. Out and of so, nowhere, this guy just made up a character, and he's yeah. like, "I'm going to kill you." And I was like, and "So we just <laughs> you know? somehow made it happen by the end of the episode." I mean, yeah, like, like That's you know, awesome. we 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 have a script, <laughs> such as it is. We have a script, sort of. Uh, there's, there's scripted stuff, and then there's improv. Yeah, there, yeah, but there's always room for improv. And you know, we have when you have. People who are always coming on, like Beth Patterson, who's just so funny, so quick, and you know Missy Mooney and Sean, and and you know like we have these regulars coming on. Bad Beth has been on so many times, you know, and Lewis can play his to his improv instincts. It's just a matter of me pressing the right button to make sure that whoever's talking is on camera. That's really what it, you know. And then every now and then I get to do a, I get to do my fancy overlays, you know, my psychedelic overlays, and then, uh, but that's. You know, it's it is control chaos. I love. I've I've never had a job like this before. With, so. with the three judges, um, it reminded me of like a seventies game show. Yeah, yeah. The game that oh, yeah. you know the judges coming in very specifically to play like either a, a hyper 
personified uh, version of themselves, you know, uh, caricature or whatever, or just a full on straight up. Oh yeah, there's a lot of there's character. a couple of there's a couple of little Easter eggs like Easter eggs like that, like Pinkerton's microphone is specifically to mirror the Bob Barker. Yes. I mean, it's it's thicker, yeah, yeah. but. but uh, there's one gig. There's one gag that I don't know that anybody actually gets. But the but the judges we have three remote controls, and for a long time Doctor Z was was one of the judges always. He was part of Cock. So uh, yeah, for a while we thought we might have to have a judge wrangler. Right. Yeah. Until we started having more regular yeah. people repeating their roles as judges. So in another and in another Easter egg in in a tip of the hat to Popeye and pals, we have them press the remote controls to do certain things. Yeah. And so what we have is we have two gigantic remote co- you know remote controls and one teensy one. And that's always it's always my you know to me it's funny that one person has the little it, at first it was always Dr. Z and right. so it was kind of like this weird joke, you know. It was like, yeah, it's puerile of course, but you know. That's funny. I you know but but you know to like repeat Watchers might say, like, why does Dr. Z always have the little remote, you know? <laughs> no, the, the Easter well, eggs are perfect for your stone crowd, too. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. Which I'm sure there's Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think that's been a pretty regular <laughs> facet of COG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, a, a, lot of, a lot of COG stuff was inspired by things like Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, and uh, yeah. just, you know, which is the epitome of stoner <laughs> yes. cartoon 100%. comedy. Yeah, I was thinking Pinky in the Brain too. A little, oh, a little bit. Yeah, no, all that, definitely yeah. there. All that stuff is in yeah. there. Yeah. Well, that's one one of my favorite things was I think it was the second season. It was one of those ones I just did not. Under, I mean, I understood it, but it was just bands playing, bands playing, and then you were like overseeing them, like you were supposed to be standing up and they're in the pit, so they're just like your face like above them. You know, actually, what never made any sense. Yeah, I would I would <laughs> talk about having miniaturized right. them, and at the end of the show, I would come out to give them a diploma. <laughs> And I was the same size, so it's like, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> it's, it never made any sense yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, there was, there, yeah, yeah. We definitely had our, we definitely had our, uh, our plot holes. Yeah, <laughs> we had a few plot holes. Like, you know, yeah. screw it. We're not going to explain. And also, this. and also, I mean, like, we basically just say that Doctor Pinkerton has thousands of clones <laughs> in the closet, and every time he dies, he just right. Gets they just a, fetch out another. They just clone. fetch out another clone. <laughs> And uh, so that's the yeah that's the kind of the gag on that yeah, it was all it. sorts of uh, I couldn't believe though what we got away with I mean we were emulating the game on the same computer we were using to switch the video right and right. Uh, and just grabbing the screen as a screen capture kind of like they do on Wait, Twitch who, you know who did we play E T with E T oh my <laughs> God you're right we did do E T we didn't played E T once too and I forgot who it that's was that's right we cranked through some 2600 games yeah. like Yars Revenge yeah I yeah, remember that. Some, yeah. And E.T. was some, in there, and it's just so god-awful. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's unplayable, really. Yeah, yeah. Going back quite a ways, though, I, one of the things that it also reminds me a lot of is just a lot of the more Gussian issues with, yeah. like, oh, this isn't going to work. Oh, damn, the guys are the same. Have you taken a lot of the Morgus kind of style and kind of added into it? Because, I mean, it does feel a lot like that. Yeah, and thanks. Just, I mean, that's a, that's a huge inspiration, and uh, I didn't want to exactly ape it i didn't want to just cop morgus you know and try to be morgus there's a lot of people out there that imitate the voice and everything but i mean my characters obviously pulls a lot of inspiration from that but uh not the look really except for the lab code and uh he's evil and morgus obviously is just misguided um but you know but you were you were really good friends with sid yeah and i was yeah you know i I mean that was that was that was part of it is that lewis had such a a close relationship with him. And, and he actually was alive when we were starting to do this, mm-hmm. and he watched the episodes and, and gave me some really nice... Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, That's some really great. nice accolades. But, um, I mean, the only real regret is that he never got to That's be true. on the show. That would have been amazing. That would have been amazing if we could have gotten Dr. Morgus. Um, We've but gotten yeah, some yeah, stuff, and but that we haven't gotten Dr. Morgus yet. To make things even more of a parallel, I guess in the 80s, we didn't even know this watching TV, but he was doing live to tape in the 80s. Mm-hmm. His whole production was basically live to tape. And if they screwed up, they could do a retake, but they didn't very often. And so uh, a lot of squirrely things happened on that show. You know, I know several people that were involved on that show. And um, it was basically seat of the pants film make or video making just like they did in 1959. Right. You know, so he was like the last one left yes. shooting a live show in 1988. 
the same as he was doing 30 years prior. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it really is. And being like a, an 80s, 90, more of a 90s kid, but just the, that second run, growing up with that, being a young kid, seeing that, yeah. that always stuck with me. So that's one of those things that anytime something like this comes up, it just really sticks there. I'm like, man, at least something like this is still ex in existence. Well, I, I tell you what, I didn't get to actually hang out at the studio like some people, like Benny Grunch did. You know, Benny hung out at WWL while they were doing Morgus oh, wow. back in the uh, 60s, oh, wow. back when it was live to yeah, air, yeah. Um, no tape. But I did get to go to Morgus's Rivergate Halloween show. And uh, to his credit, I don't know how they pulled this off, but they took the entire set, transported it out to the Rivergate, and set up an entire camera system. And, you know, they microwave relayed it over to uh, WDSU where they were actually filming this. So um, wow. on a weekly basis. And they, they pulled off an entire show, which they never re-aired, right. live on the air with a bunch of walk-on local people like Ronnie <laughs> Lamarck and such. Huh. And I was there. I was wow. in the audience wow. along with a thousand other people. Yep. Yeah, when you, when you looked at that episode on TV, you couldn't really tell that there were you know, a crowd of 2,000 people in front of the set. But... There were, and uh, it was incredible watching live TV being made. I think you all done a couple of the live remote shows on this one, right? Yeah, we've we've tried it did, to. It didn't work. We've tried to, <laughs> but it's talk about diminishing returns. I yeah, mean, I really yeah. like the idea of it, but yeah. there's something uh, reassuring about being able to walk into my studio yeah. and turn on all the equipment and know that all I have to really do is make sure the cameras are calibrated and the mix is correct. Yeah. You know, not having to reassemble an entire studio. Um, I just, I don't have a crew big enough to make that easy. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and unfortunately, our big live show was, was the site of one of my biggest fuck-ups, where I forgot to <laughs> unmute, where I forgot to unmute uh, everything. And it was, we had 10 minutes of radio silence while, uh, while this fantastic local band, who I will plug, Green Gasoline, yeah. amazing young metal band was shredding and I'm sitting there switching away and all of a sudden somebody goes, there's no sound. It was like, oh God. And it's just one of those things like we hadn't done it in a while and I'd forgotten that light on meant mute, not light off. And yeah. But anything can happen. Anything can happen. And so, but uh, that one was, you know, that was a Zony match. They were very accommodating and unfortunately it just didn't work. But we have done some, some of the live Cogs shows have been fun for me, you know, but me as a, as a director, uh, yeah, I'm I'm much more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, and, and right. as a sound man, I've yeah. realized that it's almost impossible to pull off really really good sound mm. on a live remote. You know, without yeah. without having a remote truck to give you a sense of what is actually going out. Putting on a pair of headphones and trying to get a mix is uh, it's damn near yeah. impossible. While you're on room. stage in a right. wig. Well, yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. I have to have my friends do it. Right, right. So, right. Um, so it was a yeah. It was it was a valiant a attempt. Task. It was, no, it was a valiant attempt, and I think you know, like somebody had to do it and fail miserably. And uh, we're the we're the guy, we're the egoless guys who can do. That. Hey, maybe yeah. we'll maybe we'll make a thing of it and do it once every five years. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, we'll just. Well, y'all yeah. did the 30th anniversary show from Southport. That yeah. was like a live one, if not. Yeah, yeah, that one came off pretty well. Yeah, actually. that one. Yeah, but we weren't. Doing that as, as a, a competition, ship, right? we yeah. weren't doing the game show. You know, we've done the game show live in front of an audience twice. Once from a convention at the Hilton, yeah. and once yeah. at Zony. Yeah, and um, and it was a great deal of fun, but it was not so rewarding that we'd want to keep doing it. Yeah, it's so much. It was better, so much more work. So much more so predictable much more, to yeah. do it in yeah. my studio. Yeah, it's it's depressing. You mentioned like the cons, con shows, and yeah. just cons lately have just kind of. Falling off the map locally. Well, oh. a lot of them have dissolved. Yeah. You know, uh, in fact, the the one that we did was the last year of Contraflow, which I was involved in for yeah. about a decade, and um, that con is scheduled to have one more appearance in I think 2025 as part of a, uh, a rotating city convention. Gotcha. You know, uh, Deep South Con. Yeah, there's not a lot of conventions happening right now except for maybe the Fan Expo, which is a yeah. out-of-town franchise kind of thing. And I'm um, waiting to see, you know, what the new blood's going to do. Somebody's going to have to crank up a new con soon. Yeah, that, I think, kind of killed a lot of stuff because there's just so much money in that, dumping everything into it. Everybody's like, oh, this is the one to go to instead of 
the good old days of Exoticon and Crescent City Con. Yeah, and, yeah, the, the old do-it-yourself type of Relaxicon thing. I'd like to think it's not completely dead, you know, that we'd probably see one of those again in well, the next... Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like ContraFlow was good because it was also one of those writers' conferences, yeah, that's too. That's true. Where, uh, you know, like someone like me who, who writes fiction, you know, could go and... and you know, talk to you know, talk to published people, and yeah, then, and, you know, and high level authors would show up. At yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Contraflow had some big ones, and then you know, and then you know, and then turn around after you've published, and then you're on the panel. You know, so, yeah. so you yeah, know, yeah, th those kind of things. Those you can make of, friends in that industry and yeah. actually get somewhere. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's not you know, you're not you don't get turned into Stephen King overnight, but yeah, you, know, you can you can you know, I have plenty of friends who are making their living self publishing their novels. Now they have to write. 10 novels a year. I mean, for that matter, I remember yeah. 30 years ago going to uh, New Orleans Science Fiction and Fantasy Festival, and George R.R. R. Martin would be this fixture. Right. Wow. He was always there, but he right. was this this weird little figure in the back of the room, you know, just yeah. lording over his little table, right. trying to sell books to people, and uh, right. look where he got. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I was like... Or a guy like, uh, or a guy like uh, again, rest in peace, George Alec Effinger. He yeah. could go there... And actually make a little money, you know, like before his appearance, and and you know because he could, you know, he was sick and you know, older, and when he was older, he was very sick and really couldn't write as much anymore. Ditto Robert Aspirin. He yeah, was yeah, like Robert that Aspirin too. too. Yeah, another yeah. regular. Yeah, those guys were, those guys were a lot of fun. And then you could go to the bar and hang out, you know, with yeah. those guys. You know, that yeah. was the that was the other thing about good cons. So. Well, I, I I really like the fact that those are all positives compared to the negative ones because I remember, Exoticon was supposed to have Bruce Campbell, Stephen Bruce, and Neil Gaiman one year. But Bruce Campbell's agent wouldn't allow it because the year before Claudia Christian was such a fuck up that, and they didn't get paid because she just basically ran around naked the whole time. Yeah, she really lost herself yeah, in that completely convention. lost it, and that was the same one whenever Jenna Jameson was there, and she was wonderful. Are you so not just, supposed to be naked at Vatican? If you're one of the fucking guests that are supposed to be at panels and everything, it's preferable not to. Um, but just that kind of I like. Mean, I miss those kind it's of called exotic. It is, and I mean, don't get me started. And, was, and yeah, it, that was a punk rock yes, it was. convention. You know, yeah. everybody uh, involved in that was was in the music scene, and I knew those guys, and uh, they were pretty out of control. Oh, you know, they were yeah. trying to do something edgy and different, and um, you know, it was the year two thousand, and a lot of a lot of things were changing, and um, they actually got. I think three conventions out before things uh, <laughs> the caught up with them. The fourth one fell apart. Yeah, the fourth one was yeah. the one. I was seventeen, working security, pretending to be <laughs> twenty-one, and um, it, it was a complete shit show. Uh -huh. and I literally can't talk about some of this stuff because the, the the guy that owned the rights to it got in some trouble. Um, but but yeah, everything just kind of disappeared, and so you don't have those fun kind of weird things where like well. I think it, it aged out. You know, you've got a lot of uh, the old guard who have had a great run, but it was time, you know, it was like all the writing was on the wall. It was time for them to step down. And now it looks like there's a next generation that's wanting to do it, but it's not like a clean transition. And so there's going to be like an off year or two where there's nothing. And uh, we're waiting to see, you know, some someone... people step up and actually go for it. I guess if the Gen Z people want to get into it, they're going to find all this stuff out, you know. But um, there's so, there's some there, there is one. I, I, I can tell you, there is one being planned right now, but it's not going to actually launch until 2025. Oh, okay. The, what Gen Z will add that Gen X was really bad about is that kind of diverse element. You know, like I went to um, the night market on Bonneville Boat Launch, which was a very bizarre experience, but I found out that both Tulane and Loyola had K-pop dance group. Wow. <laughs> and the loyal, you know, it's like I teach at Loyola and Tulane. The Tulane one was very like, very, you know, there's a lot of Asian kids and they were like dressed all the same in ties and shirts and all this sort of stuff. But then the Loyola weirdos, it was like these, <laughs> these young black women, you know, there's like only like four of them and they were just like, they were just really wildly like Lizzo or something and they were just busting it out. And I was like, this is the kind of like, you know, nerd future. It's not going to be Lily White. It's not going to be white, you know, Lily White guys. And, you know, that's I what's that, I mean, you know, that that's what you know, that's what started it. But we're gonna yeah, I think we're gonna get finally see that diverse crowd so that it is not so I know one of the things that uh, has actually gotten it really right is like horror conventions. Mm, There's a yeah. lot of horror conventions. I, and I 
Um, one of my good friends, uh, she was in Five Nights at Freddy's and she was one of the animatrons. And that's during the strike. That's one of the things that she did to survive was go and sign autos and everything at uh, conventions. And then another girl, she was in Terrifier 2. She's the Clown Cafe girl. Um, I'm repping her, and one of the things that she did to, again, survive is go to horror cons. And then if you see the videos from that, it's every demographic of every age of every race and nationality. It's amazing. Well, I mean, we can talk about that, too, though. Why are all those in Texas? <laughs> we don't have any good horror cons <laughs> no, here. We don't. And the one that the one that I went to a few years ago with Bruce Campbell, I mean, I heard they lost all kinds of money on that. So yes. um, what the hell? Um, I'm actively working on that. I'll just leave it at that. Good. <laughs> to bring this all back around into a nice circle, would you describe Escape from the Secret Lab as more a horror comedy game show or a sci-fi <laughs> comedy game show? I like. I think we're sci-fi. I think we're sci-fi, but uh, even with the death at the yeah, end, even uh, with the death every, at the end, I don't, uh, and, and but, the, but we're on the a threat spaceship. of the threat of killing the band. Yeah, but we're on a spaceship. It's sci-fi. It's definitely sci-fi. <laughs> we're on a spaceship surrounded by radioactive zombies and the decaying ruins. Okay, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough one. I, I guess now it's horror. Perfect. I'd say I still buy in the sci-fi, but that's yeah. Uh, sci-fi come... and horror are, are so close together. D dystopian sci-fi. Dystopian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we dystopian have... game show. There it is. Like it's that. a dystopian. The first game dystopian game show. <laughs> there it is. And yeah. so we got what season four coming up. Starting when does that knock off? Yeah, like, starting off, uh, January seventh, and uh, every other week you'll get a new episode. And we've got a great slate of bands coming in with Finn Fox premiering on January seventh, then Tiffany Pollock and Company on January twenty first. Frenchy Moe is a blues band uh, or blues artist on February 4th. Atomic Motor Queen on February 18th. And Dale Dolly's band, which is a funk band, on March 3rd. Fantastic, guys. This was a blast. Hopefully I'll come back in. Uh, for Louis Dobbin, for Joel Jackson, for Mr. Charlie Brown, pleasure having y'all in. We will catch you next time. Thank you. Time Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was a blast. And thanks to you for listening to Time Code Presents, a Time Code NOLA production produced by Ricardo Barros, hosted by Joel Jackson and John Wood. A special thank you to our guests, Louis Dalbin and Charles Brown. You can find Cog's amazing show, Escape from the Secret Lab, on YouTube. For more information about Time Code NOLA, check us out on timecodenola.com. Or just ask somebody. Later. Later.